Hey, it is, it is exciting. It's been a whole year. And uh, I think they've got some of the images they told me. I haven't even seen that clip yet. I got to look at it of uh, drive-in. And, you know, when they shut churches down, um, literally with just a little over a week, we, uh, t- we were, I was in a meeting when we first got the word that everything was shut down. We had this pandemic was worldwide. And, and I'll never forget saying, all right, let's get into every building. Let's pull out the screens, the speakers. And I mean, we dived into all of our buildings, pulling out everything we could to do drive-in church. Uh, and, you know, some of the leaders told me, we thought you were crazy. And then some of the younger leaders who'd never been to a drive-in said, didn't even know what you were talking about. What do you mean drive-in church? But you know what? God knew what he was doing. And uh, in this last year, this drive-in service has gone around the world over and over and brought such encouragement to country after country, to the Church of Jesus Christ, not only to our church here at Springs. And I want to just take this moment to give a huge thank you to every person, uh, every volunteer, every staff member that literally jumped to their posts and just gave. Some people just gave and used their businesses to create, to help, to weld. I don't even know where to start the list off other than Springs is an amazing team. And I'm so thankful to God for every one of you. So give them a hand or a honk or a, and uh, it's it's been an exciting time. Well, let's pray. Father, we declare right now by faith that Canada has leaders that serve Jesus that look after freedom. We declare and prophesy to our future that, Father, only those who have a heart for freedom and liberty, that, Father, those will be the ones who will last and rise up. We pray surround premiers, surround our prime minister, surround every person in leadership, in hospitals, in business, in the arts, in education. Surround them with great voices. And Father, don't let the voice of the enemy come through anyone to them in their decision making. And Father, for those who are watching us, we declare the same thing when we stand in agreement with them for their countries and their leaders. Father, you said we could pray. And if we'd pray for leaders, that stunning things would happen in our countries. We claim that now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, last night, I started a series and we entitled it, Jesus, Why Have You Forsaken Me? And we began to talk about using the name Jesus. Let me read you one of the crazy seemingly crazy stories in the Bible in Acts chapter 19. And it says here in verse 11 that God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick. The diseases left them and evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. Now, this is about seven sons of Sceva. Their dad was a high priest, the scriptures tell us. These are not followers of Jesus. But they would go out and try to help people who were tormented. 
people who were struggling under demonic control, oppressed, depressed, uh, you know, possessed. There was an attack on them, and they would try from the Old Testament or whatever way they were doing it. They might have been involved in witchcraft, for all we know. But they would see Paul, and with a word, he would speak to situations, and people would be healed. I mean, oppression, that evil, that, that cloud would just disappear and people would begin to laugh and have great joy. So as these seven sons of this high priest, Sceva, watched him, they noticed he would use a name and he would speak in the name of Jesus, do this, and wham, this would take place. So they decided to use the name themselves. Listen to what happened to them. Verse 14, uh, verse 13, there were some itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish high priest, who did so. And the evil spirit said, <laughs> okay, so this guy they were trying to set free, they use the name of Jesus on him, and the evil spirit speaks through this guy's voice and says, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered seven full-grown men, and he prevailed against them. That means they began to fight. They're trying to defend themselves, and they couldn't. They couldn't. Then it says, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This guy was so vicious so controlled by evil spirits that in this fight of grabbing and punching and spitting and biting, he's ripping off clothes and all seven of them run out naked, wounded. And then it says, verse 17, this became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus and fear fell on them and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. There is something missing from the majority of modern Christians. Much of the teaching that I watch and I enjoy is all about trying to handle emotionally in your thinking, handling your life. And many of the preachers who have risen to fame today do not touch teaching on miracles because they don't know how to teach it or explain it when it doesn't happen. And so they stay away from it rather than hurt or offend people. But the Bible doesn't give us, as the teachers of God's Word, a choice to leave out teachings. It doesn't say, yeah, if you don't think that works for the people you're teaching to, yeah, just cut it out. You can't do that. Because the teaching of God's Word, the preaching of God's Word, is what causes faith to rise in the hearts of people. Over the years, as I've pastored here at Springs, we have discovered, and we knew this, but we see it in the Word, that if you want to see something amongst the people, preach on it teach on it. And the Word of God, the Bible says the entrance of God's Word brings light. It, it gets illuminated. They begin to understand. They begin to believe. And the congregation begins to do that. And so 
I want to teach you today, and, and we're going to do a bit of a series today, we started last night, about what is this name? And why do we always talk about names? Now last night, uh, I'll do a fast review, we talked about the name Jesus and how that the apostles would use the name. So would every follower of Christ. If they were born again, they would use the name Jesus. And I'm going to show you how Jesus taught them to use it. Now, no one else could use it. It says here that these seven sons of Sceva, who were not born again, when trying to use the name against fallen angels, which is what evil spirits are, they did not recognize at all authority they didn't recognize at all and so they didn't respond to it and so it's not in the phonetic pronunciation of jesus okay and it's not and, and it is literally an authority issue it is a legal issue this is not when you feel inspired this is not the sense of God you can only use the name of Jesus when you feel a strong unction and anointing well you can use it then too the name of Jesus when you pray and when you speak to mountains when you speak to diseases when you declare a blessing and favor and over the future the name of Jesus is a legal issue for the believer and it is yours when you get born again. Now, the name Jesus is different in different languages, whether it's Jesus, whether it's Yeshua, and in other languages, they have a different pronunciation of this name. It does not matter. It is not the pronunciation of the name. It is what is the power behind the name, and then, do you have the right to use it? And thirdly, do you believe? Because many Christians are just discouraged because they've tried to use the name of Jesus, but they don't even understand why they can use it. They don't know the power that is behind it. They don't know how to use it. And so because of that, there is no faith in that name. They're born again, but they do not know how to use that name. And so we're going to begin to look at some of these things so that you can begin to hear. And I encourage you to take all the scriptures that I taught last night, because I'm moving on into this, and that I'm going to teach you today. Because you can, everybody talks about the name of Jesus. Everybody uses it as just like writing a letter, love Leon, you know, that's my ending, uh, or we say, in Jesus' name. That's just how we end prayers. That's all it is. And so if you don't understand the name, if you don't have knowledge of what is behind the name, you know, I like the example of the power of attorney. There are multiple times that I have agreed to help someone out if they're traveling as a missionary or family who wanted me to access all of their finances and companies on their behalf. In one case, they were in a different country that was, they were very concerned in this missions thing that uh, if there was a coup and the government fell, that they wouldn't be able to get them and their children out. And so they said, if that happens, we want you to access our company all of our bank accounts, get a jet in there within 24 hours and get us out, whatever it costs. And so they called that the power of attorney and they signed that over to me. And when I would sign a check for them or do something in banking those days, I would just write P-O-A at the bottom of this check. Now, 
The power of attorney is interesting. It means I have access to all that they have and control. Now, the issue is if I don't know what they have, then I'm not going to be able to access it. If I don't know they have accounts in that bank, if I don't know they own those companies, uh, if I don't know what is behind their name, when they sign their name to any document, what do they have? Buildings and lands and investments and bank accounts, etc., etc. Et I need, and so we would sit down with any person that I would help this way, and they would show me the array of influence and finance and documentation that their name would work on. And then I could appropriately and properly look after them if they were sick, if they were going to a crazy country where they might need help or whatever reason. Now, the name Jesus has been given to every born-again believer. But until you know what is behind that name, Last night I showed you all or about eight or nine of the names of God, and there's many of more, and what they mean and how they all culminate in the name Jesus. That when you look at Jehovah Shalom, that God is our peace, Jehovah Jireh, He is our prosperity and blessing. When you look at these and many more, they all are coming through the name Jesus because all of the Bible says the fullness of the Godhead is in Jesus. And so the name Jesus accesses every name of God that shows his character and his desire. Now, David, when he ran at the Goliath, he heard Goliath screaming at them, I'm going to kill you all. You're all going to serve us, this great big giant was screaming at this battle scene. And David, this young shepherd boy, looks at him and says, I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Well, why was he saying the name? Now, they didn't say the name Jesus in the Old Testament, but often it talks about praising the name, blessing the name, thanksgiving towards the name, call upon the name, praise the name. It is kind of like, what is that? Because names were crucial and they still are. What is behind that name? And so David said, in the name of the Lord of hosts of Israel, killed the giant, cut his head off, and saved many, many, many men, tens of thousands, about hundreds of thousands of men who would have died and their women sold into slavery or raped or killed and their children slaves, that one act of the power of God. And he used, even in the Old Testament, the name. So names are crucial. Now in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 3, 6, Peter said, silver and gold do I not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus. Now we have this name of Jesus. So as Peter was explaining this miracle, because when he said it to a man who had never walked on his legs in decades, if you are working in any kind of a hospital or old folks home, when someone's legs do not work for a period of time, the muscle begins to waste away. And the tendons and the ligaments begin to curl up and they're hard to straighten unless you do a lot of work on whatever part of them, no, it doesn't work. And so this man's legs would have been um, cramped up, ligaments and tendons shortened, muscles would have wasted away, he hadn't walked on them, he didn't even have a, uh, because of his whole life, he didn't even have the, 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 uh, the brain 
um, structure or the brain uh, signals to know how to walk with those legs. But when he used the name on him, the power of God was so amazing, these legs straightened, ligaments, muscles moved into place, and rather than a year of learning to walk like most one-year-olds need to do and to run and get to coordinated, um, instantly his brain was rewired, his muscles were healed, his ligaments and tendons, and he began to jump and leap and praise God. And they asked him, what's going on? And so Peter explains it in verse 16 of Acts 3. He says, and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and you know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Do you recognize that the seven sons of Sceva were not born again, and they couldn't have faith in his name. They weren't born again. It wasn't even their right to use that name. To use the name of Jesus is an authority issue. And you don't have the authority to use the name of Jesus until you are born again and he becomes your Lord and Savior. Then you need to learn what is behind this name. How much resource, how much authority, and in what realms does that name have authority? Now, today there are great names in leadership. One name, you know, if the guy's the head of the hospital, whatever he signs, whatever he says, whether he gives it to you in writing, or, you know, could get you anywhere in that hospital. Someone else might have authority when it comes to a city, and that name gives you authority in the city. Uh, another person might have authority in law enforcement, and you can access any police area, and you can have a right to maybe carry a gun if the police chief says so, etc., etc. So what is behind the name? And here we have to understand that what is behind the name is a stunning amount of authority that Christians don't realize and don't use. In verse Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 to 11, it's talking about Jesus. This, the, the, he's the guy that made the name great. I mean, he inherited it. It was conferred upon him, but he also did things with this name. And here it says, therefore God also has highly exalted Jesus and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth, of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, we watch so many horror movies, I don't, but I know so many Christians who do, and they just fill themselves full of fear as though demons and angels fight all the time. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible does not teach us that. In fact, according to this chapter here, if it was possible, and it's not, for the enemy to scoop me up and bring me right into the middle of his entire horde of demons and, um, you know, gen his generals and whatever systems the, the enemy uses with his fallen angels. If he could bring me right into the middle of it, any one of us who are born again have complete authority over every fallen angel. Every one of them. You don't have, you know, and sometimes, you know, past books, you like this present darkness and pigs in the parlor, depending on how old you are as to which books you have access to, people would teach 
the authority in the name of Jesus, but they always made it look as if, boy, the devil is powerful. And after 40 years of ministry and ministering to people in signs and wonders and, and, and etc., I have never had a problem with an evil spirit that in any way uh, could stop or hurt me. I found that the name of Jesus, and once I knew the authority behind the name, and that he's just a fallen angel. He was created to be my servant even in the beginning, according to Hebrews 1 and verse 14. But he makes everyone believe that he is this amazingly huge, incredible force. Now, if you believe and you allow him to fool you and to deceive you, man can need to kill you and destroy you and take you out. But when you are born again and you know the authority that is in Jesus, the day it says every knee will bow. If you use the name of Jesus in heaven, everything bows. Use the name of Jesus on the earth, everything has to bow. Use the name of Jesus uh, under the earth, or meaning in hell or in that negative world, everything bows. Now, when you talk about this name, there are many who don't care about the name. They'll use the name Jesus at their parties and everything. And, and I mean, today, they're an, a, an unsaved person is not going to bow to the name of Jesus. But if they attack you and try to hurt you and you use the name on them, it works. I have shared story after story of people who have attacked me physically, a knife, uh, tire iron, and just used the name, and wham, it was like they hit a wall. Why? Because they're coming against me, and I know the authority that is in the name. So I want you to understand. Now, let's look further at this. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19, it says, And you will know that God's power is very great for us who believe that power is the same as the great strength that God used to raise Christ from the dead. And he put Christ at his right hand in the heavenly world. God has put Christ over all rulers, authorities, powers, kings, lords, dominions, and every title that is given. And then in the King James, it says every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the next one, which means not only this age. God has subjected everything under Jesus' power and made him the head over everything for the church. For who? For the church. And he gave him this name to the church as head over all things, which is his body. The church is filled with Christ who fills everything in every way. The name Jesus was given to the church. Now, the word church does not mean every denomination. It means the ecclesia, those who are born again, and they must know what is behind that name. For you to begin to get into God's Word, to study, listen to this message and last night's message over and over until you begin to have this revelation, your heart connects to what God has promised you, you will begin to see that name. Now, you cannot use the name on somebody else to make them do what you want. It won't work because every individual person on the planet, every human being, has um, they are a sovereign being. 
That means God honors their decisions. If they choose not to accept him, if they choose to disobey him, if they choose to live in sin, that is their right. But the consequences that go with it are theirs as well. So you can't use the name to make them get saved. By that I mean force them against their will. Now you can use the name to drive off the control of the enemy who has blinded them, the pleasures of this world that keep them trapped and deceived. But you, and so to learn to use this name is crucial because it works on everything, but it doesn't work on a human spirit as far as controlling them. Now, when you study the word on this, uh, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus, when he appears to his disciples, says, all authority is given to me, now you go. Use that name, and all through the word, you will find teaching around the name of Jesus. Mark 16, Mark is teaching on the exact same moment and the message that Jesus gave, and he goes a little further and expounds on some of the things Jesus said. And he says there that when Jesus appeared to the disciples, and he said, go into the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe. And then it says, in my name. So you've got to believe in his name, and then you've got to use this name, and it says you're going to cast out demons, speak with new tongues, take up serpents, and if you drink anything deadly, it will be by no means hurt you. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Let me cover something really quickly for many of you. Today we live in a world where thousands upon thousands of new chemicals are being uh, invented and put together every year. They'll spray it in food containers. Uh, they'll do all sorts of stuff with food. It is everywhere. Carpets, you name it. And so there are many scientists and experts, and of course there's always some who disagree, that say that this is wrecking the sperm count in men, destroying ability to carry babies and women, uh, destroying our children and causing diseases to rise up further on in life. And so, but one of the things you have to understand, one of the promises is that when you eat, be thankful for your food. And it says here, if you eat any deadly thing. Now, here all they knew back then was poison. They might have hemlock or some other kind of poison that was used. And poison was used in their days to assassinate somebody if you study different cultures around the world. And so if they were trying to kill you as a son or a child of God, no deadly thing could hurt you. If you would, everything you ate or drank in the name of Jesus. This is sustenance to my body. But now think about this. If it is a delayed reaction, as in breathing in asbestos, and they tell us that, and I'm not an expert, but from what I've read, is that you know, 20 years later, people begin to develop lung cancers. And it's so far away, but they can track it to something like asbestos. Well, it is saying here that no deadly thing can hurt you, including the long-term stuff you don't know about. I mean, if you put your hand on a hot stove, the pain is immediate. So you'll learn, don't touch the hot stove. But if something you're doing is going to give you a disease 20 years from today, there's no way for you to learn in the natural 
what is good and not good for you. And so it's crucial, use wisdom, but then declare in the name of Jesus what it says, that if I drink anything deadly, it will not hurt me. Now drinking it was the only way they knew back then. Today, you can drink it, eat it, breathe it, it can be absorbed through your skin. So any of these ways that a toxic substance comes in, begin to declare in the name of Jesus, no deadly thing will hurt me. And teach your children to do that as well. Now, we're going to close with this thought. In John chapter 16, something I want you to study and think about, it says Jesus is talking to his disciples here and he says something very interesting. Listen closely to the wording. Jesus says this to his disciples, to us. In that day, speaking of after the cross, you're going to ask me for nothing. What? Don't ask me for anything. Most assuredly, I say to you, again, he's talking about after the cross and his resurrection. Whatever you ask the Father but in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. You see, after Jesus died and rose again, left for heaven, the disciples went out everywhere preaching. Now, if you're going to, if you're going to, if, if they would ask Jesus, Jesus, we got to feed the 5,000. Jesus, we got a guy with a, a son who's suicidal. We can't seem to help him. Could you do it? They always went to Jesus for their needs, and he would miraculously use his wisdom or supernatural power. And now he's saying, You've, now you don't ask me for anything anymore. You have access to Father God. And when you use the name of Jesus, that you're going to receive. When we ask God... So many Christians think that he has to make a decision. He made the decision 2,000 years ago and gave you it all. This is literally a relational thing where you are asking God for an in, the inheritance that a death, Jesus' death, has already provided for you. So in this asking in the name of Jesus and receiving, it is simply asking or accessing any time the inheritance that has already been given to you. Today I want to remind you, you need to learn about this name. You need to begin. If you're a new Christian, start now. Dive into God's Word. We, we can, if you're here in our church, we can show you great teachers and, and other messages on this name and how this name uh, is your birthright as a born-again believer. What you can use it for and what you can't. Who can use it and who can't. You need to learn. Faith will rise up in you and you will speak. And you will use the name as you speak blessings over your future, protection over your children. As you command the enemy who is behind, often when people come against you, it is what is behind them, that the, 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 the plans of the devil that is coming against your company, your family, that you'll address rather than the flesh and blood body or that person, he doesn't know what's driving him. And you've got complete authority over every evil spirit bringing any kind of storm or attack 
against you. Oh, man. <laughs> Dude, I just pray that something inside of you begins to rise up and you know your authority. Begin to use it. Dive into the word. Grow in faith in the use of the name of Jesus. Father, I pray right now that the favor of God, I pray the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of you upon each person listening. And I pray that they'll dive in and love your word as they learn and grow in this incredible, incredible blessing of being given the name. And you'll teach us how to use it. If you don't know, this Jesus I'm talking about is your Savior and your Lord. Right now, as you're listening, something is going on on the inside that you don't understand. It's like you're thinking, I, I think I need this. I think I need to know him. You do. And I'm going to encourage you right now with me to, to, to give your life to Jesus, to choose to trust him with your life. Nothing else is working. Just pray this quickly. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. I give you my life. Thank you for dying in my place for paying for all of my sin and for making it possible for me to be in God's family. Come into my heart. From today and on, I'm following you. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God.